morning, everybody. Dads, it's our day. We get a whole day. Come on, we'll soak it in. So I'll give it up for our dads. It's good to be a dad. It's much easier being a dad than being a mom. And so we've, we've, we know that dads already. Some, you know, well, I won't go there on any of that in our world today. But listen, here's the thing. We, we as dads, uh, we have a cold one for you out on the deck. It's already cold outside. I don't think we need to ice it, but uh, make sure you grab your root beer on the way out. Um, I don't know if it's twist tie or flip off, uh, you know, capped. I don't know. So you're just going to have to bite it with your teeth uh, to, grab a, to grab a root beer on the way out. Make sure you, you do that. But since it's Dad's Day, Dad's Day also comes with dad jokes. And so I want to I open with some dad jokes today. And you can already groan. You can already practice that, ladies and children. So dads, so I see sons and daughters here with Dad's Day. Way to, be, way to be here with support your dad today. So good job coming to church today. Um, so you're just going to have to groan with it all. But I got this shirt. Um, the lady in our church gave us this shirt, gave me this, gave me this shirt. So yeah, uh, you know, so, so you can do some eye rolling here in a moment uh, with this. So here's some groans. But so oh, let's just start with some dad jokes, okay? So uh, well, here, here we go. I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. It, it, this is one. One of our church members evaporated recently. He's really missed. Okay, yep. Yep. Uh, someone keeps sending me flowers with the heads cut off. I think I'm being stalked. What did 20 do when it was hungry? 28. <laughs> what, what pronouns does a chocolate bar use? Come on. Her, she. <laughs> After our bodies die, our pupils are the last things to stop working. They dilate. This is the one that's happened this week. My wife says, I'm the cheapest man in the world. I'm not buying it. <laughs> Feel free to use any of those for your th Father's Day. Yeah, or not. You've heard them, you've heard them all already. Now, with dads, we, not only we maybe tell jokes, um, but we tell stories. And I mean, you notice about dads is that the stories they tell... They just, it just seems like, I don't know, the fish gets bigger and bigger every time they tell it, right? And so we love telling our stories. The older we get, we do that. We've been doing a, a series here to live a better story. And so w story is part of who we are. We, we, we tell them a lot. Now, I think we get practice as dads and even as parents because we used to, hopefully you did this, and you know, read to your children or grandchildren stories. And, and we found this when our kids are, kids are little. We would read a book and they... They, they would want, Daddy, read another one. Daddy, read another one. And, you know, these picture books are like five seconds long, right? And so, and then at some point, you're kind of running out of books because they, they're really kind of sitting out of it. They don't want to go to bed. And so my, my daughter's here. When she was little, she said, Daddy, tell me a story. Tell me a story. And so I would tell stories when I was a child. But then I ran out of my own stories. And so I just started telling stories about myself that were all made up. The Amazing Adventures of Danny McAvoy, I would tell these stories. And so I, some, I even today she goes, is that true? Did that really happen or is that, is, that, is that made up? Here's the thing with stories. There's stories we tell ourselves all the time about ourselves. It's what we know of ourselves that who is, is who we are today. And so as we 
continuing this series of living a better story is the reality for us to look back on our story is very, very important because it'll tell you about who you are today and, and really kind of the, the direction you are going in life. Last week, we looked at this idea of living a better story with the life of Moses. And for Moses to try to live a better story, which led to incredible freedom, not only for himself, but for the entire nation of Israel, he had to put aside his excuses to live this better story, that, to be empowered by God to do that. And so our excuses a lot of times stem from our past, what we've gone through. But you, you think about the, the narrative of your story is the person that, that voice that you hear all the time is your voice. It, but that's, that voice, that narrator is shaped by your experiences. It's that self-talk that we have, an internal story that we have. And the point of view, our bias has created that version of ourselves. It's, but here's the thing about it. It's not entirely accurate. And yet you could probably pass a lie detector test and because you're, I believe it. And you, no one could argue with you because that's your story. But it is bias. It is shaped in, in, our, in our lives. And it's skewed to a certain thing. And it's skewed in this way, in a couple of ways, positive, negative way. It's how we're loved and how we are hurt. If you think about how you grew up, your story is skewed. It's, 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 it's a view that you have is based on this internal narrative. And, it, and then it comes out in how we, how we feel, how we, what we say, what we do. And even bigger is how we react to whatever is going on in our life. It comes from our story. So here's the question we, we're asking is this. What is the story you tell yourself? Because the story you tell yourself is the story you also will project out to others. Is it, wh wh where does that come from? It's a lot of our, especially as adults that are here, we're shaped again by how we're loved, how we're hurt. Now, if you are loved, uh, you know, you experience a life of love, and to a certain extent, no one's perfect, but most of the time growing up was love. You probably saw it in your parents' life. Your parents' life, they, they, they loved each other, and sometimes it was embarrassing. They, they maybe loved each other too much. You're like, Mom, Dad, get a room, right? Seriously, you know? Like, and yet, as much as you kind of cringe on that, you actually appreciate your mom and dad and the love they have for one another. They weren't perfect. I'm sure they fought. There was things, but there, it, was a, it was a home of love. And, and so with that is the story you tell you that love does exist. Love is possible. Something great can come out of my life and living a life of love. Now, the opposite is when we're shaped by what we've heard. And so you take the parents' narrative is, I mean, your parents divorced, and they broke up, broke up and there's brokenness, and your, your family broke up, and you don't know, it was, it, you know what, what, what happened with, with your dad, and, and they left, and there was a sense of maybe abandonment. And so with, with that is, you go into your adult life, it's tough to love, because there's been a lot of hurt when love has been connected to that. What seemed like people were loving me, didn't, it didn't show that way. And so we put people at arm's length going, I, I can't really trust them. So hurt becomes a part of our story. For some of us, it's kind of been a mix of where we grew up, but we, maybe there was a lot of high expectations. And so how it worked was, in some ways, if you were wanting to experience love, is through approval. And so you had to work really hard in getting good grades or being very athletic or being very talented. And if you didn't quite, you know, cut the mustard, if you didn't quite make it, you're like, mm, you're not quite there. And you felt like life has been about performance. And that goes into your, into your world and how you view things. And so you've either been an overachiever and lived as a perfectionist, 
and there's a lot of anxiety and worry that comes to do our best. Or on the opposite, you go, you know what? Forget it. If I can't live up to this, I'm just going to live the opposite. And so you live the life of rebellion. You did whatever you want with whoever you want. In life, there was extremes that took place. A lot of a mix of how we are loved and how we are hurt. Now, so as that moves in, the, the, the detriment is not only to our lives, but it's the lives we tell. So we tell these stories about ourselves, then it's projected into the stories of the people that we love, that we, we, we hope to love and, and communicate in, and then it becomes, in good ways, can be generational, and bad ways can be generational. So we speak a story into other people that voices shape, especially when, when they're little, where we're at now today. So I, I, here's the thing. I know none of us want that. None of us want to do it, but we do it all the time. And, there's, and, and so how do we change that narrative? How do we, and, that, and that's what we're going to talk about today, how we live a better story. And one of the things we did as an exercise, we introduced week one, is we, we talked about if you're going to, if you want to live a better story, you've got to start by looking at your own story and going back. And we gave these really fancy journals. It's, just, it's blank pages for you to write your story. And I hope you've done this. You've taken the pen. We talked about who holds the pen. You hold the pen of the story of your life. And you start writing down your story from the very beginning. Your, your upbringing, uh, the things that you've gone through, the highlights, the lowlights in your life. And what I did was, when I went back and read my story as of up to date, I went back and looked at m markers in my life, pivotal moments in my life. And then I was able to reflect a little bit and going, God, you, you were there in the middle of that. You helped me through in your grace, got me through, got me over it, also taught me a lot in that process. It's a very good thing. It's a very good exercise to do. There's some questions that, uh, in the back to help you guide that. They're, they're available. If you've not grabbed a journal, do that. Because the reality is, unless you fill the pages with all here, you still have a story to write. There's still, you could grab another journal and keep writing because your story continues minute by minute. But when we look back on our story, we can see Again, maybe how we were hurt and how we were loved. So what do we do with that? How do we, how do we in some ways, maybe change the narrative? If the narrative is negative, what, what do we do? Well, I think what we need to do is always go back. Where do you start with every story? Is you go back to the beginning. And how far do we go back? Well, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the, and the, and the first story that was written was a love story. It was Adam and Eve in the perfect garden paradise. You can't get better than that. And yet that story got skewed by sin. When Adam and Eve bit into the forbidden fruit, it changed everything. And the, the view of everything that happened. And that story, which is our story, also got skewed by sin. And what it produced out of it was really kind of two basic things. We're going to talk about that. But I'll talk about today is shame and blame. Shame and blame comes out of this skewed story in the fall because of sin. And so, you know, shame, you know, soon as Adam and Eve bit into that and realized what they've done, what did they do? They hid. They hid away from one another, and they, of course they hid from God. And this shame is also intertwined in our story as well. What we tend to do when we do wrong, when we know it is, is we hide. We hide away, uh, um, and we don't want anyone to know. And so this deep emotion, what shame does, 
has humiliation and embarrassment. And this is the, the twistedness of shame. This is the diabolical work of shame is, yes, there are things that you've done, that you made this decision and you did this and you live with the embarrassment and you, in some ways, you say, I, I own what I did. On the other hand, there's things that had been done to you that through shame and the skewed story, some way, somehow, and some abuse, neglect, whatever harmful things that were done to you that had nothing to do about your fault in it, you still somehow feel guilty of it. Or at least humiliated because it's your family, it's a loved one, and as we're talking today, a father or a parent or someone's coming along, and you, are, you feel it, and so there is this tend to hide from it. Shame lies and twists the truth, and what it does is it creates this false narrative that so what we do and we believe and we tell about it, and so we run, we hide, we cover up, we do whatever we can to avoid dealing with it, and if we don't, it slowly can destroy us. Shame is very, very difficult, and it's, it's, it's destructive if we don't handle it. Well, the other thing is blame. Blame is another thing. God, God was, you know, when he, when he created man, he, 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 out of his great love, even when they sinned, God went to them and he confronted them. And, and what happened when he confronted with Adam? He, he blamed. This woman you gave me, she made me eat of it, right? What did, the, what did, the, what did, what did Eve do? This serpent. You know, almost say, God, that you created. You, you're the creator. You created a serpent, and, and he, he tempted me. And that's why I gave into it. And we, all the time, we live in a world of blame, right? You turn on the news. You click on it. Blame, 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 blame. All the time. So those people, now they're in charge. It's their fault. But what was the people before? It's their fault, right? And it just goes back and forth, and it's pushed aside. And what happens is we live in this, what we call, canceled culture, because it's so easy to do that. You just blame those people, you write those people off, and you keep this narrative going of what you believe, and you, this is what reality is, and yet it's a skewed story, left and right. When we write a story, we tell ourselves, and so what we do is, we pass that blame. We go, well, it's my parents, it's my ex-wife, it's that bad boss. It's the weather, okay? We blame a lot of things and a lot of things. And we blame becomes this, this defense mechanism. It comes this weapon. And the weapon is this, is that it's a, it's a victim mentality. And it's in a plot, in a story that you write. And so when you write a victim story, you relinquish all your responsibilities at it. Because it's whose fault? Shame and blame interwoven in our story again, creates this false narrative, and, go with me on this, it creates conspiracy theories, okay? I don't know about you, I'm done with the conspiracy theories, thank you very much, but we write them ourselves, and we continue to do that, bring blame and even in, in, in shame into our future. And what the conspiracy that people write is ultimately is this, that it's God is the one that did that, and it's the opposite of his character. The shame and blame is opposite of his character. Sin, sin skewed our story so much that we believe it. And here God, even when mankind sinned, it says he, he sought out man in the cool of the day, looking, what do you want? Relationship with us. God expressed himself, and God expressed himself and specifically in, in purposely and perfectly in a, in a wonderful, loving 
father. Now, some of us, when we think of God as our father, we think that's such a wonderful thing. And, and yet, for many of us, it's very difficult because we deal with the daddy issues in our life, the father wounds that all of us have maybe have gone through in some degree. For some, it very dramatically. It's very difficult because you've experienced neglect or abuse. And so whoever was your father, you don't even claim to them to be your father. There's some in this room that have experienced it. Maybe you're online. Even fathers say today it's very painful for you. At least has mixed emotions for a lot of us because some of us already lost our dad. I lost my dad at early age, my age, my 14 years old, and he was my age when he died. You know, just this last year, and so it, it's painful. It's there's, there's some unresolved that might be there. You wish you could have said some things and you can't, and that makes it tricky for you today. But you are here as a dad today, going. I did the best I could to be a dad. In fact, your kids, some are in the room, some that they, they'll hopefully say, you know, call you up and say happy Father's Day today or get some kind of, you know, card or something. But what we care about is that our, that our, that our kids are cared for. And we did our best we can. We did the best we know to do. And we weren't perfect in, in the process. But we tried. Dads, we tried. I know we, I know we did. But that, we're, we're definitely not perfect. So there's a mix of things. Your deepest ideas, your thoughts, your feelings, your past, all of it. Someone said it's kind of this. It's your, it's your drama, it's your trauma, and it's your daddy and your mama. Okay? All mixed up your story. Okay? It's all there. But what do we do with that? Well, that's the very DNA and emotionally where we're at. And so all that to say is that why Jesus came, Jesus came to, to make things right between us and our perfect heavenly father. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father, the perfect holy father, except through me. Jesus embodied himself with that relationship that he is the way, and he communicated that same father's heart all through the gospels and, and, and what he lived out. And one of the great stories that we're going to look at today. Very well-known story. In fact, it's a story that we might be careful of because some of us know it so well that we might, we might kind of drown it out a little bit. But if, if, if you are new to church and new to faith and this might be brand new, this is great for you to hear it today. Of a beautiful, beautiful picture of a loving, heavenly Father. For those who have maybe heard it for the umpteenth time, let's listen. Let's, let's allow this story to be fresh for us today. Jesus tells a story. It's a story of, of two sons. There's a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So, this father, what he did, he divided his property between them. Jesus sets this scenario in this context a mix of both people that are new to faith they don't really have any kind of religious background but his very own disciples uh, as well as these religious leaders are gathered this mixed group of people and so all of them recognize this whoever they were going wait a second that's not this is not how this works a, a person doesn't get an inheritance unless someone dies well, what is the son saying to his father I wish you were dead, is what he's saying to him. And what's outlandish about this story is not that the son would ask of such a thing. It's what the father does. We use the word prodigal. It, it actually means, it means outlandish, like giving, lavishly giving. That's what the father does. He gives to his son 
the estate. He doesn't deserve, and he's not even dead yet. Jesus goes on in the story, and you can read it on your own, but I'll summarize what happens. The son, he has all this money. He's got all this wealth, and so he spends it on what men do and what young, young men want to do and live up the town on, on wine and on women and, and, and blows the entire estate very, very quickly, that portion of money that he has. And when all, that's, all the money's gone, all the women are gone, all the friends are gone, Jesus describes this young man now feeding pigs on a farm. Do you know how insulting that was to the Jewish audience? Not only of someone feeding pigs, but they're, you know, a, a pork of, of it mentioned, but the fact that he's feeding pigs who will feed people. It's the lowest of lowest a person could do. Jesus had a point in it all. How low do you go? And how, where is your bottom of all things? Well, here's this beautiful Expression, I think, of the greatest, one of the greatest moments of grace in Scripture. It says, when this younger son came to his senses. That's a beautiful place of all of us experience. When we come to our senses, when we realize how broken and sinful our story is. When we're at this place, at the lowest, the lowest, the lowest, it's not that we're at the lowest, the lowest, the lowest. It's when we recognize that we're at the lowest, the lowest, the lowest is the work of grace. It's that moment. The light comes on. A wake-up call takes place. And the response to this young man is this. He couldn't get home faster. And the Bible says as he's heading home, he runs home. And this amazing narrative, you catch the, the, the young man telling the story to himself. What is that story you tell yourself? This is the story he's telling himself. This is the rehearsal speech that he's going to go back home to this father that he completely rejected and it says this he says i will set out to and go back to my father and say to him father i've sinned against heaven and against you i no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants this this young man he he it was so powerful this moment it's this picture though of now if you ever get the response of a loving unconditional love of god the father it's right here Jesus says, this son, well, this is what he did. So he got up, went to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. That word in Greek, filled with compassion, is this like inner intestinal mo movement. Like he, it was the deepest part of him that he's moved into, to this degree for him. And he, what did he do? He ran to him and threw his arms and kissed, kissed him. What we have is this, this, this son that it, he turns toward home. He's leaning toward back to his father. And it's the moment that the father sees it and recognizes it. He doesn't stay packed on the, on the porch of judgment. He runs to his son and embraces him. And there's this moment that happens. And, and, and you, gotta, you, you read in there and you, how the, the son starts his re little rehearsal speech. You know, Father, I'm not worthy to become your son and make me one of your servants. And it's almost the, the father says, I, I, I'm not even listening. He's not even listening to that. He quickly, what does he tell the son? You can read it. He, he says, no, no, we're going to have a party. No, this is what we're going to do. I want you to get my, my ring, guys. Go get my ring. Sorry, I, it's the ring. That, that, it means my authority, my birthright. Let's put the ring on him. 
Let's put my robe on him. It's a place of, a, pl- a person of honor wears this special robe. Sandals. Sandals are, it's not for, slaves don't wear shoes. Free men, free people wear, wear, wear sandals. And then the fatted calf, Texas barbecue. We're going we're gonna to live it up. We're going to have a party. And we read this. It's so interesting about repentance. I don't know if you caught this when you read this story. You know this story. Maybe this is new to you today. Do you notice that the father is not waiting for the the son to to mouth any kind of words of repentance? Do you realize that repentance is not just about any confession? That's part of confession. It's good to confess our sins to the Lord. The Bible talks about that. But what is the father concerned about? The heart changed. The father is concerned about the fact that he turned toward home. The word repent means to turn back. means to come back, to, to turn your life around and head in the right direction. And that's what the son did, and the father fully embraces. That's our loving father. And yet, shame can be a part of our story, right? This, this guy, what is he saying? You know, I'm not worthy to be your son. I, I just make me want to, he, he has a scorecard. Here's a perfect father that loves him and cares for him. And yet, he has this, this shame narrative. You know, listen, I don't know where your story is. If you're living a story of shame, but, but God has no scorecards. God has no performance check sheet. There's no, there's no more rejections. It's unconditional love. Shame no longer does, has to be your story. And it wasn't for this man's story. He knew at that point he was embraced and loved unconditionally. There was no speech needed made. There was no, there was no even any kind of um, uh, you know, reconciliation of owing anything back. You don't have any record of the father said, okay, you're back. Here's the bill. You owe me now, buddy. Not at all. Completely different. That's the power of unconditional love. If you have that shame story, guess what? It's unconditional, perfect love of the father. But remember now, the son has, or the father has two sons. Son of shame, but, but there's also a, a son of blame. Younger was dealing with shame. The older was dealing with the blame. And, and here, here is the response of the older son hearing of his kid brother brother's homecoming it says this the older brother became angry and refused to go in but listen to what the father did for him so the father went out and pleaded with him how powerful is that this loving father this perfect father this representing even our god who who desires relationship with us he, he could have been in anger. He could have been in, 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 in difficulty, but he shows it to this younger son. But what is the reaction to the older son? It's exactly that. As anger, of judgment, of stubbornness. And yet, think about this. The father still went out to the older son. Even in his judgment, even in his, his, his anger and everything, he had no feelings whatsoever about his, all ill feelings, as we're going to read here. And yet the father went to him, still seeking after. God will still seek after even your own stubbornness. He'll do that work in us. Listen to the blame story, though, of the older son. But he answered his father, because the father's pleading with him. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Now, that's, that's a charged word, slaving. 
right? Maybe you've used that before, you know, my boss is a slave driver, and, and, and now that we look at that a little bit, you know, today is, is it's Juneteenth today. In fact, tomorrow is the first, I think this is the first year we recognize it as a national holiday, and if you don't know what Juneteenth is, it's the day that, that Abraham Lincoln signed the, 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 the Emancipation Proclamation for slaves to be free. Three million slaves back then were declared to be free, and yet even today there's 40 million slaves in our world, if you don't know that, through many children and, and, and sex trafficking, and, you know, and women and all that, and so it's, it, it, but, but this declaration that's there, and I think we have to be careful when we use the word slave, because it's very much a victim mentality, see, that's what the son uses, his older son, he believes he was a slave to his his, his father, he's telling him, all these years I've done this for you. I've done not only my share of the work, because think about it, it was not only this ripping of the inheritance away, what did they have left? How do you, did they have to sell the property? How did that work? It was a burden put on the older son. And plus, his kid brother's gone. He has to carry the weight. He has to do all this work. And it's just, just but he has this distorted view of of his dad, that his life is about duty rather than really love. L listen to the skewed story he spews. He said, you never gave me even a young goat so I can celebrate with my friends. And now he hits him two birds with one stone, double blame. Listen to this. When the son of your, when, he says, when this son of yours, doesn't claim it as his brother, this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. What does he say? This son of yours. He's blaming his brother, and he's blaming his father at the same breath. Come on, we can do the same. God, of all the things I've done, of all the things I've worked for, and I, 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 yeah, I, yeah, I slaved over. I did these things, and, 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 and I worked, I earned, I served the church, I served you, I gave money, I helped these people over here. I did all this. It doesn't seem like there's anything left. God, what about me? I don't get it. Why, could you, why are you doing this to me? Listen, what the older son did, though. Listen, now listen how did... Listen how the, the older son responded. What does it say next? Nothing. We don't know. Cliffhanger. What happened? That is the great tragedy of this story. We don't know. It's interesting, if you read the, the rest of this chapter in Scripture, there's, there's three stories. with there's a, there's a lost story of a lost sheep, and, and the shepherd left the 99 and found the one. There's a story of a lost coin. The women searched out for this lost coin and found it. But when we get to the lost son, no one was looking for him. The older son should have. So why the cliffhanger? I speculate two reasons. First of all is this. The older brother in the story is the Jewish religious leaders that Jesus is speaking to. He's saying, you guys know better. You know, you're the responsible ones. You did all the right things, but you stand in judgment of the younger sinful brother because they're not living up to it. So what is his message to them? Well, first is this. You're living in the father's house, but don't have the father's heart. 
Son, you're just as lost as your wayward, outward wayward son. The other thing is this. You, you've been about the rules and the rights. God, I have my rights. Rather than the relationship that I have and I want with you. What a reminder to us. The longer we follow Jesus, the longer we spend time in, 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 in our Christian faith, we have to be careful. We don't adopt that mentality because it'll turn into to a duty more than a delight. But here's the second reason. I think of why the cliffhanger is this. Jesus is the older brother in this story. Jesus is the ultimate older brother, was the one, this, old, this older brother did not come. Jesus came to our rescue. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And he found us in our brokenness. He found us in our big, our, our pig pen of life. And he doesn't, he took our blame and our shame. And, and, and because of what this loss is, he took it to the cross so that we can have and be reconciled with a holy, perfect father all in love. Listen to the, this morning. If this story you're telling yourself is of shame and blame, you've got to hear these words of God, your perfect Father, who says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son in the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, I just have a couple minutes, and I want to wrap up this with some thoughts. You can take some notes. What does this mean for us? Okay, know this thought. As the at the cross, Jesus flipped the script for us to live a better story. Jesus flipped the script to live a better story. This, this, this sacrifice that he made, this, the very blood, it, it empowers us, okay? Go with me on this. The very blood we're able to write our story with. His blood helps us rewrite or write a, a better version, a new page for a new plot ahead for us. In fact, a really brand new story that we have. So what does that lead to? It leads to transformation. So here's one thought with this, is that Jesus flipped the script. We are no longer condemned, but accepted. Jesus flipped the script, so we're no longer condemned and accepted. I just spent time with my brother-in-law yesterday, and I was remind, reminded of this. Several years ago, he was a youth pastor, and he had an opportunity for young adults, students to come forward. And there's a, a man, you know, basically, you know, received Jesus. Jesus can forgive you, for, you know, cleanse you and forgive you your sins. And this, this guy goes, no, I, I can't do that. I'm wicked. I'm wicked. I'm wicked. He's no, Wes is like, no, you're not wicked. No, you're wicked. No, I'm wicked. He opens up his shirt. He's got tattooed wicked across his chest. And Wes at that moment knew what he needed to say. And God gave him that. He says, you, you might have wicked tattooed across your chest, but forgiving can be stamped in your heart. And, and it's the same for us. I don't know what you've been labeled. I don't know what you've labeled yourself with. You do not stand condemned. You are approved by a loving father because the older brother went to the cross for you. Jesus flipped the script. He flipped the script this way. We're no longer slaves, now sons and daughter. No longer slaves, it's sons and daughter. In our history, it was so wonderful. We celebrate Juneteenth because of what Abraham Lincoln signed that day. How many know that didn't end slavery at that moment? It middle of the Civil War, and in fact, even after the Civil War, slaves are free. You're free. Well, they didn't know that because the slave owners did not want them to know that. It took 
decades, and we're still seeing, seeing freedom still happen in our world, across the world, and even in our own country, freedom from it. It happens. It takes time. And for the same thing for us, our old sin story is the slave story that we tell. Dude, what did the younger son say? Hey, well, you know, this, you know, I, I no longer become your, you know, I can't be your son. I'll just be a slave. I'll just be a servant. And no, our older brother, Jesus, comes along and flipped the script and rewrites this. He's, what scripture says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, daughtership. That's who we are in Christ. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer, we're, we're no longer condemned in and, 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 and living that life. We can be freed people. We are sons and daughters of the Father. And through that pain, Jesus Though promises as we get through this to flip our script is this we are no longer victims but now more than conquerors we are no longer victims now more than conquerors the older brother played victim didn't he the, uh, the, the unfair dad you never let me have a party all the things I've done you get and he pulls, he pulls that victim card and we can do victim 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 all over the place that we deserve something we actually deserve nothing we deserve nothing. We do deserve con to be condemned and put to death. And, but what the older brother did brought the forgiveness. But our, we're in danger. The tragedy of the story, we're in danger. If we don't accept this and realize this, this work, we will be on the outside of this party. Listen to the newer, redemptive version of what we have. What does it say we shall respond to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Absolutely nobody can, right? Now, no longer living in shame and blame, our story being written, listen to what it says. What, this is what Paul writes in Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are not considered as sheep as to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, what happens is Jesus, as Jesus followers, if we continue to play victim in our story, we will live a conspiracy story of doom and gloom until the day we die. The world is going to get worse, okay? It's going to get worse. Stop complaining about it. Please. The body of Christ, you are not victims. If you think you've gone through persecution, look across the world. Look across history. Stop whining and complaining. Come on. The cross, the cross canceled our condemnation, our self-condemnation. The cross canceled us from canceling anybody else out. The cross is this redemptive work to help us pick up the pen that you are empowered with through the Holy Spirit to write a better version of your life. And you can't live in writing a better version if you're still a victim. No more. I will not be a victim. I will be a conqueror. No, I am going to be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Jesus did this to flip the script, this redemption story for us. The closing challenge, I'm going to ask our team to come. Here it is. Here it is. I talk about tragedy and stories, right? Here, here's something that's very, very important. Here it is, our closing challenge. 
Don't let pride keep you from the party hosted by your perfect heavenly loving father. Okay? Don't let pride keep you from the party hosted by your perfect loving father. You see, pride is the ultimate tragedy of this story. It is. And the younger son, as much as he, the way he lived and the waywardness he lived, what did he do? He turned toward home and he, was, he, he, he repented. He came in and said, Father, will you take me in? The father with open arms did that for him. That, was a, that, 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 that could have been tragic for his life, and yet was incredible, incredible victory of the work of grace in his life. The older son, on the other hand, did not humble himself, and pride kept him from the party. Don't let that happen, because pride will rob you of joy. Pride will rob you of the celebration of other people's lives. Pride is, is this great tragedy in our life that we're we're missing out getting into this party and the opportunity to celebrate all that God has done. The tragedy is all that we rejected the unconditional love of our perfect heavenly father who wants us in. Don't let anything get in the way for you to be in. We're all in. It's taking that step saying, Lord, I want in. I want to be a part of your party. I want to live a better version of the story you have for me in the future. Will you bow with me in prayer? I think, I really do. I, I think today's the day for some of you. In fact, I, I would write in your little story, today I'm no longer being a victim. Today's your day. You've whined and you complain. You, 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 you've, 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 turned, you've let the news continue to tell the story. That is your place of repentance. Jesus, I've let the voices of others, not just the media, but the people in your life, you've let the voices of your parents still talk to you today. They do not have the authority in your life. That victim story needs to be put to bed. And you need to flip the page to a brand new page of being a more than a conqueror. You need to do that, but I need to do that. No more blame and no more shame for you today. Lord, right now I pray for those that their, their story is shame. Their story is not good enough. I, I'm out, I don't mount anything. I, 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 can't, I can't make it. The, the victim, victim, victim of shame, Lord. But that's not the story that you wrote. The story that we read and we, 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 it's recorded in historical proof of what you did on the cross and you rose from the dead, Jesus. To conquer our sin so it's no longer a slave that makes us a slave so that we can be freed and we can be forgiven in Jesus' name. And, the, and the, you put to death, death, by rising from the dead to give us life. So those that need to experience your unconditional love of forgiveness and cleansing with their sin, they no longer have wicked tattooed in their life, but they have forgiveness stamped on their heart. Today is their day. If there's anyone out here today and anyone watching online, just say, Jesus, 
thank you for being my older brother by seeking and saving me and rescuing me. Not only that, you paid the price on the cross so that I can be put back in relationship. I can come running home and my heavenly father running to me because of what you did. Thank you, Lord. I now am going to live a better story. No more shame. Lord, for us here today, many of us would say we've continued to fight the older brother, older sister mentality. Lord, no more today. We declare today no longer victims in the body of Christ. No longer blaming anyone of the past and anything anymore. We move forward with a new page that's no longer blame, but now of empowerment, of, of, of conquering through your great love for us. Lord, we do not want to miss the party that we can't get in because of pride, because we can't fit through the door, Lord. We humble ourselves before you, and we, we repent of our pride. We repent of our victim mentality. We repent of what we deserve, what we, our, 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 our uh, entitlement, Lord. We lay that all down, and we say, humbly, Lord, we come into your party, Lord. And you're the same Father that offers the ring and the robe and the sandals and the fatted calf that we can celebrate as well. Lord, help those here today to do that. And for us to help those as well in our world today, the opportunity that they do not have to be victims. They can be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand. As we close in this final song, I can't think of a better song to sing on this Father's Day. The simple song, and if the Bible says if, if you come like a child, you'll enter the kingdom of heaven. And just do that. Be a child today. Just like, just like this. And, and this is for the children in this room, the younger. This is for the older. This is for the 55-year-old the man that's pretty successful in this room to lift his hands to his daddy God and say, you are a good, good da daddy. You're a good, good daddy, and I, I, I just want you. That's all I want today is you, Lord. If you need prayer, we're here to pray with you anyway before we leave today. Guys, have a great Father's Day. Let's celebrate our Father now this day.